Let's turn now for our text. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And before we start a reading, I did want to challenge our children to be looking for the means of grace. If you are looking carefully at Acts chapter 2, our reading in just a moment, you're going to find uh, the means of grace, which is our focus uh, for this morning. We're going to find the means of grace here on Pentecost Sunday and immediately after that, we're going to find the means of grace being used as Jesus Christ builds uh, his church. So we're going to start a reading in Acts uh, chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 40. Verse 40 in Acts chapter 2. That's found on page 1082 in our few Bibles. Acts chapter 2, we'll start at verse 40 here. And the context is a Pentecost Sunday. Peter's been preaching. So we find the conclusion here at Acts 2 at verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who were believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending together, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all men. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I do encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Acts 2 as we're going to be looking at that this morning, but let's also turn in the back of our songbooks to Lord's Day 25, Lord's Day 25. As I said a moment ago, we're going to be looking at the means of grace, Lord's Day 25. And Lord's Day 25, that's found on page 882. Lord's Day 25, question and answer 65. I'll read the question. Let's respond with the answer together. Question and answer 65. It is by faith alone that we share in Christ and all his benefits. Where then does that faith come from? The Holy Spirit works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Holy Gospel and confirms it by the use of the Holy Sacraments. What are the sacraments? Sacraments are visible, holy signs and seals. They were instituted by God so that by our use of them, he might make us understand more clearly the promise of the gospel and seal that promise. And this is God's gospel promise. He grants us forgiveness of sins and eternal life by grace because of Christ's one sacrifice accomplished on the cross. Question answer 67. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and confirms by the holy sacraments that our entire salvation 
rest on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. Then finally, how many sacraments did Christ institute in the New Testament? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. As far as reading in the catechism, we pray for the blessing of our God upon the preaching of his word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you were to set out to build a church, how would you go about doing that? I'm not talking about the the architecture and the engineering of constructing an actual building. Not so much the, the actual structure, but the process of gathering a people. How would you build a church? A very popular program that swept many churches in the, in the 1990s was called the Church Growth Movement. Now, the Church Growth Movement sought to grow churches, and this is a quote, based on research, sociology, and analysis. They sought to grow, to plant and grow churches based on research, sociology, and analysis. In other words, find out what the people want, and give them what they want. If you build it, they will come. If the people want a Starbucks, give them a Starbucks. Whatever the people want, their analysis, your analysis of people's felt needs, the church is to meet those needs. If we have the right programs, the right speakers, the right extra things, the church will grow. Just a a week ago, I received a magazine here at church, and this particular magazine specializes in offering uh, smoke machines and strobe lights installed at your local church. Is that what we need? If we get a, a smoke machine and strobe lights here at church, will our church grow? Will we have people being brought in? And I imagine that everybody sitting here wants to see the church grow. We want to see the church grow. That is our desire. But should we go to culturally influenced mechanisms in order to meet that need? Should we give people what they want? Or should we give people what Jesus says they need? So back to our question How should we build the church? What will bring people into the church and what will keep them in the church? Perhaps a better question is this. By what means does Jesus build his church? By what means does Jesus use to build his church? So this morning we're going to be looking at this theme. Jesus Christ uses the means of grace to build his church on the earth. Jesus Christ uses the means of grace to build his church on the earth. The church is made up of those who are born again by the Spirit, those who are joined to Christ by faith. And Lord's Day 25 comes in the context of looking at what is justification, how are we made right with God because we're joined to Christ by faith. So the next necessary question is, where does this faith come from? If we are saved by grace through faith, where should we expect to find faith being produced? How does Jesus produce faith in our lives? Question answer 65 then gives us the answer. Christ produces faith in our hearts by way of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses specific means, specifically the preaching of the gospel, 
And he confirms and strengthens that faith by the use of the sacraments. We could put it this way. The Holy Spirit is the effective cause of our faith. Faith is produced by the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit uses instruments or means to produce that faith. Faith is a work of God produced within us, but he uses a a specific means given to the church, and those means are the official means of grace. By the preaching and the sacraments, the Holy Spirit produces faith in our hearts, that faith which is necessary for us to be saved. Namely, by that faith we are joined to Jesus Christ. So let's consider what preaching is. What is this thing uh, called preaching? We talk about preaching uh, so often. Preaching is defined as the official covenantal administration of the living word of God. In other words, preaching opens the word, opens the scriptures, and presents it and applies it to the church. Preaching is the good news, the gospel, the announcement of salvation. Paul says in Romans 1 verse 16, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And again in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word that is proclaimed. So the Holy Spirit produces faith in our hearts when we hear the gospel or we we hear the gospel preaching, the good news announced, impressed upon us so that we come to know Jesus Christ better and to trust in him with hearts of faith. Scripture speaks about this process that the Spirit is doing by way of the preaching as opening hard hearts, giving uh, sight uh, to blind eyes, a mind to comprehend all that Christ has done. What the Spirit is doing through the preaching is He's creating, is stirring a love within us so that we, we are filled with a delight and a joy in Jesus Christ. He's, he's producing a trust within us so that we lay off anything that would cause us to trust or look to, to earthly things or, or human means, that we learn to trust and depend on Christ all the more. Preaching is the way in which we come to know who Jesus Christ is and we come to see his work as a way in which we are saved. But preaching not only is used in the planting of the seed, preaching is also used in the nurturing of that seed. So the Holy Spirit uses preaching to produce hearts of faith and also strengthen those hearts of faith so that we are matured, so that we grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. The word, the word proclaimed must always be first and must always be kept central. Although it is possible to have the preaching without the sacraments, you can never have the sacraments without preaching. Preaching is the primary and central way in which we come to know and grow in that faith. But next to preaching, we also have the administration of the sacraments. The sacraments listed for us here in question and answer 68 is Holy Baptism and Holy Supper or the Lord's Supper. The sacraments here are designed for the use of strengthening the faith that has been produced within us. In other words, the reason why the sacraments are given to the church is because of our our weakness, because of our doubts, because of our, our struggles. These are given to us as the secondary means of grace by which the gospel is made visible. You sometimes hear that in the in the church today, what 
what sort of things should we have? What sort of visible things should we have going on in the church to, to keep people's attention, uh, to stop people from falling asleep? So they, man invents all of these visual aids. Well, the fact is the, the sacraments are the God-ordained visual aids. They are gospel-made visible so that you can see with your eyes Taste with your mouth what you have heard with your ears. The sacraments are called the additional assurances of God. They are a sign, visible, and they are also a seal, meaning they are a promise upon the Word of God. God cannot lie, He is truth. But in His grace, He gives us a a seal, a promise upon His truthful Word to calm, to alleviate our doubts and our fears. The sacraments are our visible reminders of a holy oath. If God has said it, we should not doubt it. But it's because we doubt that He gives us baptism in the Lord's Supper to say, look, See, remember, believe, do not doubt. Trust my word. In Matthew 28, we find the Great Commission. I'm sure we all know, we remember that passage. Matthew 28, Jesus says, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to do work among you, and I'm going to build my church. Jesus says in Matthew 28, make disciples of all nations. I'm going to make disciples, I'm going to build my church. But how exactly is Jesus going to make disciples of all nations? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by teaching them all that Jesus Christ said and did. So at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he gives us what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Make disciples, a teaching and by administering the sacraments. So what do we have when we jump to Acts chapter 2? Children, did you notice in Acts chapter 2 that you find the very means of grace? Here on the the cusp of of the New Testament church breaking out, spreading to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Pentecost Sunday, Peter preaches. Peter preaches a gospel sermon. And at the end of that gospel sermon, there are 3,000 added to the church in one day. How were those new members of the church identified? They were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Then we jump to Acts 2, verse 41. What happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, there continues to be going out. These people who had heard the gospel, been baptized, they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So not only do we see the preaching of the word at the beginning of their faith, the establishment of new believers, they continue to go forth and they're devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now this breaking of bread is another way of saying the Lord's Supper. So not only do we have this preaching and the symbol, the sign of being a member of Christ church baptism, we have the continued teaching and preaching and the nurturing of that faith as they participate in the Lord's Supper. 
So what do we find in this New Testament church? But apostolic preaching followed by baptism and the Lord's Supper. So I ask you again, how does Jesus build his church? He builds his church as he did in Acts chapter 2 through the preaching and the sacraments. What we find in Acts 2 is the most basic definition of the early church worship service. Preaching, prayers, and the Lord's Supper. And what was the result, brothers and sisters? What was the result of the use of these means of grace? Acts 2.41, 3,000 souls added to the church. How did Jesus build his church in Acts chapter 2? Preaching and sacraments. What was the result? 3,000 were added to the church in one day. Jump down to verse 47. What happens when the church continues to go forth, listening to preaching, participating in the Lord's Supper, praying together, worshiping together? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So I submit to you, if you want to see the church grow, we should use the God-ordained means. We should trust Jesus to do the work that he said he would do. And he uses these means, the preaching and the sacraments. What programs or mechanisms should we implement as a church if we want to see this church grow? What should be our highest priority and emphasis? It must be in keeping the Word of God central and the right administration of the sacrament. What is the calling of the church? What should be our primary mission? What is Jesus doing through the church today? What is he doing through our church? He is doing the same thing that he said he would do in Matthew 28. Jesus is making disciples of all nations. Here in this little corner of Illinois or, or Indiana, what is Jesus doing? He's building his church by making disciples. How does he make disciples? By teaching through the preaching, and by strengthening that faith through the Lord's Supper and through baptism. Jesus Christ is building his church. And although it may seem contrary to what we perceive with the eyes of flesh, Jesus is building his church, and he will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus will build his church. And Jesus has chosen to use earthly means, people, to be those message bringers. He disciples those inside and outside of these walls. By teaching, both in the formal sense through the preaching of the word and the informal sense where we all speak to our neighbors and we instruct our families in the home, teaching them about Jesus Christ. Jesus uses earthly means. Jesus uses people like you and me. So if we are committed to the growing of the church, to the establishment of the church, 
then these things should be of the most important, primary, significant things in our lives. Our, our worlds should revolve around the preaching and the sacraments. And when it comes to speaking to your neighbors, inviting them to come to church to be a part of your life, telling them who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. The means that Jesus uses to build his church are very ordinary, very simple, and very unornate. Pastors are not all that pretty to look at. We're broken earthly jars. Who would think that sitting for a 45-minute sermon is all that significant? Getting up at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning when I'd just rather lay in bed and relax... Why is this so important? Why must this be the, the primary significant thing that we do? It's because it's here that Jesus builds His church. It's here that Jesus Christ makes disciples. God does not need or use flashy things. It's the simple preaching of the Word. And God wants us to know the truth and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's how He is pleased to work. So God chooses to use the day of small things, ordinary means for an extraordinary purpose for the building of His church. Well, now that we've considered the preaching and the sacraments, in our second point, we'll move on to look at the content of these means. The content of these means, the content of the means of grace. Is there a united message in both preaching and in the sacraments? So we're going to be looking at question answer 67. If it is true that true faith is a faith that trusts in Jesus Christ and his works, it stands to reason that the means of grace would have a shared focus. Right? If true faith is a faith that trusts in Jesus Christ and depends on his work alone for our salvation. It stands to reason that if faith is being produced through preaching and the sacraments, strengthened through sacraments, then wouldn't we expect preaching and sacraments to say the same thing? And indeed they do. It's not that faith has the content of something over here, and preaching and sacraments have a totally different agenda. They're united, singular in focus. Elevating Jesus Christ. Elevating Jesus Christ. So question answer 67. Do preaching and the sacraments have a shared focus? Yes, indeed. Preaching and sacraments reveal Jesus Christ and praise his works on the cross. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, we read this a few minutes ago. Paul says, we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 1.23 Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what is the content of every sermon? It should be Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now that doesn't mean every sermon needs to specifically be about the cross. But it does mean every sermon needs to elevate Jesus Christ. Needs to magnify his works. Either in showing you the need for Jesus Christ. That would be your sin. The sufficiency of Jesus Christ, that would be looking at how we are saved through the works of Jesus Christ, or in showing, because of Jesus Christ, we are to live this way, a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. 
But however you're approaching the issue, it must always be magnifying Jesus Christ, exalting the name of Jesus. Every sermon must be telling you something about Jesus Christ, how you need him, how he's sufficient, or how our lives flow in gratitude from his work. Every sermon elevating Jesus Christ. Because this is the power of God. The power of God unto our salvation. God uses the preaching about Jesus Christ to be the power through which sinners are saved. Which we learn how Christ has delivered us from our sins. Well, what about the sacraments? What should we learn from the sacraments? What's the content of the sacraments? Well, the content of the sacraments is as it is with preaching to magnify the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We saw this with baptism a few weeks ago. Uh, The baptism um, is teaching us that we are blood-stained sinners who are cleansed by Jesus Christ. Scarlet, red, guilty, made as white as snow. Romans 6, verse 3. We are baptized into Christ's death. That's Romans 6, verse 3. What about the Lord's Supper? What does the Lord's Supper have to say? The Lord's Supper is saying that we are starving. We are wasting away. And our souls are fed by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, the Lord's Supper is a participation in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed. His body was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. So baptism and the Lord's Supper are designed once again to focus our eyes, to focus our minds on the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit uses these means to strengthen our faith as we learn through the gospel made visible. Our faith not only comes from God, but must focus us on God. And in order to receive these sacraments rightly, the very faith that is necessary is produced within us by the Spirit. Sadly, it is possible. It is possible to partake of the Lord's Supper, for example, without thinking about Jesus Christ. That's possible. Sadly, that is possible. It is possible, even Paul says in Corinthians, to eat and drink and increase judgment on yourself. If you come to the Lord's Supper without seeing Jesus, without trusting in Jesus, without magnifying the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lord's Supper doesn't benefit you. It actually hurts you. That's why the only proper way to receive the Lord's Supper is by faith and with preaching as well. You can sit in church week after week listening to sermon after sermon and go home hardened in your sin. If preaching is not showing you and 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 you're not magnifying Christ in your heart, it's not doing you any good. The only proper way to receive these means is by faith. That's why we come and we celebrate in remembrance of Him. Christ must be the center of everything that we do here today. 
to conclude, the problem of what is going on in so many churches today is it is shifting the focus of the members of the church off of Christ. I mean, think of it. You're going to church, and the church is shifting your focus off of Christ. It's focusing on celebrity pastors or human inventions, entertainment. That's so incredibly dangerous. Because these are the means, preaching in the sacrament, these are the means that Christ gives His church to build His church and to strengthen His church. Sermons and worship services need not be complex. Remember what the Greeks were asking for in John 12? The Greeks came to the disciples and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. Why are you here? Why did you get out of bed this morning? What, what are you looking for in this church? My heart's desire is this. It would be the same desire as the Greeks in John 12. Pastor Lons, we would see Jesus. That's why I'm here. Sir, I would, I would see Jesus. Whatever you're preaching on this week... I want to hear Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because that is the means by which faith is produced in your heart. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As our theme says, Jesus Christ uses means, the means of grace, to build His church on earth. So may we continue to use these means as our Savior has designed to turn our focus away from everything else that is going on in this world and to focus us on Jesus Christ and Him crucified, knowing that this is the way that the Spirit continues to produce faith in our hearts and strengthen that faith today. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this wonderful reminder of everything that is taking place in the world today and so much in, of what we find in churches around this world. It's distracting us from what we so desperately need. And that is the bread of life. So we pray, O oh Lord, that in this day we would have magnified Christ in our hearts, trusting in Him, depending on Him with every fabric of our being, knowing that in Christ and Christ alone is the complete forgiveness of all our sins. In His name we pray. Amen.